We need we need energy all across the yeah, building. Yeah, spread you guys out just a little bit. That way, when we do the wave, it looks cooler. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> spread out means. Never mind. You're doing great. <laughs> Ralph, we have a surprise for you. Are we ready? Let's do it one more time because we have Pastor Ryan and Ralph in here. Start to my left. One. Wait. Hold on. We got to get some. I've never seen people that anxious to sit on the front row. That's awesome. Are we ready? Before church starts. Ready? Go. Let's go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like it. Can y'all come back every week? You do the wave well, but you didn't speak very well. Good morning. Oh, I like it. I like it. Why don't you stand with us this morning as we prepare for worship? Okay, now the first question is, can you guys clap and sing at the same time? No, not so much. Well, don't follow Brad. Don't follow Brad. But you can pay attention to the worship leaders. At least most of the time anyway. We'll try not to lead you in the wrong way.
of you know that there's no God like Jehovah? All right, there is no God like Jehovah. And I'm telling you that He's coming soon, riding on the cloud. And uh, my prayer is that you're ready for that. Welcome to our service this morning. I want to say a special welcome to uh, folks from Eagle Heights this morning, all the way from Oklahoma. All right, so, man, they heard about... They heard about Pastor Brad's preaching and decided to load up in the vans and come on down today. So, uh, And they should have known better because we're going to put them to work this week, all right? Some things they're going to be helping out around the church. But you make sure you make them welcome, guys. We're glad that you're here. Glad that all of you are here. And we're here for one reason, and that's to lift high the name of Jesus this morning. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. But it's about lifting the name of Jesus because he said that if he be lifted up, that he would draw men to him. And that's our goal this morning. So we're glad that you're here and you just worship the Lord with us this morning. Y'all want to practice your wave? Let's start on this side. You ready? Here we go. Go. Wave. Nice. We'll try that again and we'll try to get everybody. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we've gathered together to lift up your name, to fall on our Savior, to fall on our grace. Let's all join in. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we Sing. We will rise with you, lift it 
As your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world seated for just a moment if you can if you can't that's all right but one of the things uh these young missionaries are going to be doing this week is joining up with some of our faith family and be uh, going out into the community and into the neighborhoods around our church and uh, going to be carrying the message that our god saves and that's the greatest message in all of the world and this morning i want us to take a few minutes and and just have a time of prayer as we send them out and pray that, that God prepares the way uh, as they go and, and that he would just, man, he would just do an incredible work, an incredible work of salvation. They'll be passing out uh, some cards as they go through the, through the neighborhoods and uh, be starting a new series Easter Sunday morning. The name of the series is He Came to Rebel. And it's talking about the Lord Jesus came to rebel against sin and against death. To rebel against an empty and wasted life. And that's the message that, that we will be taking. And so I want us to, if you would just bow your heads this morning. and Just turn our hearts toward prayer. That as we've been singing about our God saves. That, man, that, that, that would become a prayer from our heart to the very heart of God. Lord, this morning we do come celebrating the fact that you're a God of salvation. God, we thank you that you do save. But God, we realize that there is no other name under heaven given whereby we might be saved other than the name of Jesus and the blood that he shed for us. 
Lord, we're going to be taking that message this week. And God, I pray that even now you prepare the way. God, just as John the Baptist stood in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord to come when He came in the flesh, Lord, we stand this morning asking to prepare the way in the neighborhoods and the community around us, Lord. As these young people will be taking the message that you save, a message of hope, a message of peace, a message of forgiveness to a lost dying community, Lord. So, Father, go, go before us. Just let your Holy Spirit begin to move and to work and in the areas where we will be this week, God. And I, and I pray that, that even now, that you would be scheduling divine appointments for this week. God, I thank you that next week we can stand here give you honor and glory and talk about how you saved Lord. And God I do pray this morning if, if there would be one even in this place that has only heard about your salvation God but has never experienced it that today would be that day that it would move Lord from, from hearing to healing of the heart so, Father, this, this is your time. We offer it to you, and we just praise you, and we give you honor and glory. Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship this week?
today. You need the Holy Spirit to speak fresh in your heart and your life. Fresh anointing, fresh power. Let's welcome him right now. He's in this place. Amen. You can give him a hand clap of praise. He is in this place. He's here today to speak to your heart, to encourage, strengthen, challenge, convict, help conform us to his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come and we thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you for what you're doing, God. We thank you for what you're going to do in the hearts and lives of your children in this place, God. Lord, I just pray right now that, Father, your power, your love, your mercy, your might would be manifested in our hearts, in our lives today. In the name of the most holy name of Jesus, God, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, praise team, for leading our hearts in worship today. If you have your Bible this morning, if you'll take it and turn with me to the book of Genesis. We'll be in the last three chapters of the book of Genesis this morning. And so uh, we have been on our sermon series now. I need to change. If you remember, that was the beginning. I need to change. Then we were changing. And hopefully today, six weeks later, you have changed. Amen. Uh, what a journey it's been for us as uh, your pastoral staff. You say, man, we've been on this for six weeks. Well, well, we've been on it for about 12 weeks. And uh, man, God has just wrecked our lives in a good way because God is wanting to do special things in each one of our hearts and each one of our lives. Today, God has a purpose and a plan for you. God has destined you for greatness. God has not destined you to live your life of mediocrity. God has a plan for you. Matter of fact, we've looked at this scripture every week. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it even entered into your thoughts. Those things that God has in store for those whom he loves and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Those who hate him. He loves them. He has a purpose that is greater than anything we could ever imagine. Amen. I'm glad today that we have a lot of football fans from Oklahoma and that they did not bless us with their Alabama wear. Amen. If not, we would say, you need to change. <laughs> Amen. I'm just teasing there. I did get nervous for a moment. I saw red and I thought it was an Alabama shirt. It's good to be here. It wouldn't have made it on the van, my brother. Praise the Lord. And they're all, they're all saved. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here today. Uh, how do you leave a legacy of change? We've gone through this whole process of change. Our board, our walls are filled with things that you wrote down at the beginning of this sermon series saying, here's what God has spoke to my life. Here's what I need to begin to change to conform to the image of his son. And then we looked at taking hold of that, living a lifestyle of it. But then how do you leave a legacy? Now, here's what you must understand. Most people don't give a lot of thought to their legacy. However, everyone leaves a legacy. You may never even think about what legacy you want to leave. Can I tell you that you're going to leave one anyway? And today, what would your legacy be? <clears throat> A study once revealed that a really good man 
his family remembers him often for about two years. Then after two years, they remember him more on the special dates, special moments, things that trigger the memory. But for a good man and a good father, for two years, he's remembered constantly. For a really good man and a really good employee, he's remembered about three months. And for a really good man, his friends remember him for about six months. Then after that, they begin to put life together and move on with that void in their life, that person not being there anymore. How do you change that? You have to leave a legacy of impacting lives. Not just a legacy of existing. You see, the very first sermon we looked at was living in that permissive will of God, living in that, that persuasive will of God where you're forcing your will on God's will and you really don't care about the God-sized plan that He created for you and your whole destiny, but you're more concerned about our own desires. And when people live in that shape and form, they end up living for themselves. And before long, all of their life is vanished just in themselves. So how do we leave that legacy? Joseph, we looked at him last week. Joseph left a pretty big legacy. Jacob left a pretty big legacy. Abraham left a pretty big legacy. Isaac left a pretty big legacy. Matter of fact, for decades and, and hundreds of years to come, man, Jewish people were saying, I want to worship the God, not just Yahweh, but not just Jehovah, but I want to worship the God of who? Of Abraham, the God of who? Jacob, the God of who? Of Isaac. Why would they say such a thing? Because those men were still impacting lives for a long time. Still impacting families for a long time. Matter of fact, even thousands of years later, the Jewish people said, when, when Jesus was talking about Abraham, you remember? They said, we know Abraham. Abraham was our father. Was still leaving a legacy. Joseph left a legacy in Egypt for quite some time. A couple of hundred years after he had been off the scenes. Matter of fact, it kind of went this way. <clears throat> they were the Hebrew people, the Jewish people were living great in Egypt during the famine and then some time after that. Matter of fact, here's what happened. In the book of Exodus, whenever the bondage and the slavery and the affliction and the murder of the baby boys began to come on, here's what it started out with. There arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. See, he had outlived his legacy. His time had passed about 200 years. Matter of fact, that's where we are as a country. Just a little over 200 years old. And now for, for, for decades and decades and decades, our forefathers, our founding fathers, they left a legacy that impacted the up-and-coming new fathers, new leaders in our country. But today, they're dismissed. All of their thoughts, all of their wisdom. Matter of fact, if you read a lot of what they said today, it is still really, really, really relevant. But they're dismissed because there has, there has arose a generation in America who really doesn't remember or know our founding fathers. And so all their logic and wisdom and understanding is now being dismissed. Those dudes understood change. I mean, they didn't just change jobs. They didn't just change neighborhoods. They changed continents. I mean, they got on a boat without a motor. 
and struck out to a land they didn't know anything about. Can you say that's changed, Pastor? Why? Because there was something inside of them that was greater than everything that was going on around them. And I want you to know that if we're going to impact the next generations to come, if you're going to impact your generation today, then leave a legacy right now. You're never too young to start leaving your thumbprints on people's lives. Leave a legacy. How do you leave a legacy? There's three things I want you to write down. You can leave a legacy, number one, by teaching it intentionally. You look for ways to teach. You look for ways to teach lessons. And say, here's a good application. You intentionally try to take your children, take your employees, take your friends, and say, here's, here's, here's a thought. When something happens in current events, and you say, wow, that happened this way. Wonder what would have happened had they not done it that way. And look at the reverse aspect of it. When we intentionally teach lessons, look in chapter 48 and verse 13. Here's a very good lesson. Now, Jacob had intentionally been teaching his children all the time. And you don't just say, okay, we're going to have class today about teaching a lesson on legacy. You, you teach. You, you, this really just, just really gets all over me. You know, people will say, well, I'm raising my children. Now, I'm an old country boy, and, and there's nothing I like more than cattle. We, we raise cattle. We train children. You train children. You're training up the next generation. You're training them along the way. You're training them when you rise up. You're training them when you walk through the day. You're training them when you sit down in the afternoon. You're training them when you go to bed in the evenings. It's a lifestyle. If you're trying to do it academically, you're not going to have a whole lot of success. The greatest lessons are not really learned in the classrooms, no offense, educators. But they're learned in real life. Matter of fact, what lesson do you remember most? The one taught by your professor or the one taught by the school of hard knocks? I mean, if you learn something the hard way, you're not going to forget it. Can I get a witness? Matter of fact, matter of fact, mothers and fathers will be teaching children. Don't learn this the hard way. Matter of fact, when my, when my kids first came home with their first spelling words, I sat them down and I said, okay, your dad is terrible at spelling. He dismissed spelling. He hated spelling. Thank God for spell check, or I'd look like a walking idiot. Matter of fact, I still send emails out to, to somebody and say, make me look smart here. Make sure I didn't say anything that was dumb. And I said, whatever you do, learn to spell. Learn to spell. Now, there's a lot of things you'll get in school which you won't use over and over again, but spelling's one of them. This year, they're in junior high. I sat down and said, now look. There's going to be a lot of math that you'll never use again in your educational life. But if you can just get these addition, subtraction, multiplication, fractions, decimals, you'll use that stuff forever. Can I get a witness? All right. And so you want those fundamental components that can't be skipped. And so that's how you leave legacy. You do it intentionally. And here's a good lesson. Let's look at verse 13. Then Joseph, <clears throat> by this time, uh, Israel was getting very tired and weary. He was sick. And so Joseph went with his two boys, and he wanted his father to bless him. 
So with his right hand, Ephraim, towards Israel's left, with his left hand, Manasseh, towards Israel's right hand, and brought them to Israel. You say, whoo, pastor, what was all that about? Well, stay with me here a little bit. Look at verse 14. But Israel stretched out his right hand and put it on the head of the younger. So Joseph brings them in, comes in for a blessing. They're right there in front of him. And so naturally he takes the firstborn, put him on the, on the side of authority, and says, put the right hand, the hand of authority, on the head of that child and pray the blessing on him. Place your left hand on the younger child. So there they come. They're sitting in front of him. The right hand, he put it on the head of Ephraim, the younger. And crossing his hands, he put his left hand on Manasseh's, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Now look at this next verse. Then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been, with, been my shepherd all of my life to this day. Oh, it gets more intense. The angel who has redeemed me from all harm. Now stop right there. Underline that in your Bible. Because what J uh, Jacob was telling Joseph, what he was telling his grandkids, was listen, your papal did not get to where he is today in his own might, in his own strength, but by the providential protection of our thrice holy God that we walk with, that we dwell with, that we do life with each and every day. You see, walking with God is not something you do on Sunday. It's something you do on Monday through Sunday. It's a lifestyle. If you only walk with God on one day of the week, then all you are is a fan. And I am telling you that God's not interested in a fan club. God's not interested in a bunch of roadies going around following his, his supernatural power and provisions and being a fan on that day of the week. He wants some people who are sold out, born again, blood-bought, and willing to leave it all on the field and die if need be for the cause of Christ. And Jacob says, I want you to know, son, that's my... That's our God who protected me. That's a little something extra in Louisiana. We call that lanyap. Had nothing to do with my message, but let's get to the hard part. May he bless these boys, and may they be called by my name, the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow to be numerous within the land. Verse 17, when Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, he thought, placed it on his head. He thought it was a mistake. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh. Look at verse 18. And Joseph said to his father, Oh, not that way, my father. This one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Stop right there for a moment. Now what happened was the natural course came in. And they're going to bless him. These things are going to take place. And so how did they do it back in that day? Well, the oldest sibling always received the power, always received the authority, always received the authority to conduct the business of the family. And so, man, all of a sudden he comes in, and so Joseph wants that natural flow of what life says to happen. And so he places his children strategically in the position of their birthright, the position of their authority. And so in this situation, he puts them before him. When uh, Jacob stretches his hands out, he does the old switcheroo. And boy, it aggravated. It aggravated Joseph. Not that way, my father. You, you're old. You don't know what you're doing anymore. Or is your eyesight that bad? You've got the wrong sibling. You're mixed up. And I'll tell you something. 
Jacob said, oh, no, I'm not mixed up. Look at that next verse. Verse 19, he said, the younger will be greater. What Jacob was teaching right here, he took an intentional moment. Now, Jacob didn't go seek Joseph out and say, let me bless your children, did he? No, Joseph brought his children to Jacob. And so Jacob said, here's an opportunity to teach them something. And what he was teaching them was, I don't care what the world says. I don't care if the world says this is how you have to do it. You have the right to rebel against what the world says is status quo. You have a right to rise up and be something that God's called you to be. You don't have to live a life of apathy, of mediocrity. You don't have to lie, live a life of complacency. But you can live your life under the power, under the authority, under the anointing of God. And basically what Jacob was telling Joseph is, Son, in my life, I've come a long way. I have walked some dark hills. I have walked down in some deep, cold valleys. And, Son, I did not get here by doing what was natural, by doing what the world was doing. But I got here by believing in, clinging to, and relying on the provision and the power of a thrice holy God. Now, I know Jacob didn't always do things right. You remember the day that he went and put his costume on and got all geared up? It wasn't even Halloween yet. He put on Esau's clothes, put on camel uh, goat hair, and went and, 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 and deceived his father Isaac. And Jacob knew it was wrong. He told his mama. He said, Mama, this is wrong. Mama, we ought not be doing this. He said, Mama, we're going to end up bringing a curse on ourselves instead of a blessing. And she said, Boy, you've heard that before, hadn't you? You just do what I told you to do. And so he went through with it. And the rest of Jacob's life, he lived with the consequences. Matter of fact, to, to obtain not the birthright, but the blessing, he had to be a deceiver. Matter of fact, he had to be the one who put on the costume. Can I just say something? I guess I can. I'm preaching, huh? Hey, listen, when, when you got to put on a clothes that, that's not who you are, when you have to disguise yourself, to try to be what you want to be. It's not what you were destined to be. And you may think what you want to be is what you really want to be, but if it's not what you were destined to be, trust me, it's not what you really want to be. Because under those clothes, you're going to know you, you're not truthful with yourself. You ever heard that saying, uh, cheaters never win? There's not a lot of truth to it, because they do win in the interim. But then later on, there's no joy. And winning when you know you're really a natural born loser. Whew. Amen. There's no joy in the victory when you know you're a natural born loser. Great teaching application. Lance Armstrong. What in the world was that dude thinking? He's been a natural born winner. People have flocked to him forever. You will always lose in the end when you're really trying to be someone you're really. Not. You can leave a legacy of change by teaching practical lessons. And in this passage of scripture, he, Joseph's father, Jacob, was teaching him a lesson. Don't go with the flow. Don't do what the world tells you to do. Rebel against it. Now, here's something about Jacob. He understood hardship. He understood costumes. He understood being someone that he was destined to be. He understood being someone he was not destined to be. He understood living life in just a permissive place. But there's something that Jacob also understood. He understood grace. He understood mercy. He understood forgiveness. Because I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, he may have messed up. But when you the only way you can understand the abundance of mercy and grace and love and goodness is to mess up. Amen. 
you don't really understand the depth of God's love till you realize how deep a sins he really can't cover. And I don't mean you should run out and experiment with that. But just trust me, the deeper the cut, the deeper the grace. Greater grace, greater grace. His mercy triumphs over judgment. Today, second thing you can learn is that you can teach leadership by practical lessons. But then, I mean, you can teach to leave a legacy by practical applications, and legacy is leadership. If you're not a good leader, you'll not have a good legacy. You say, well, I'm a follower. Well, be the leader of the followers. Amen. And so as we think about this, the second way is you can, you can catch it. You can teach it. Legacy can be caught or it can be taught. And here's how you catch it. I got a scripture for it. Man, a bunch of them. Read the whole life of Jacob. And all the way along the way, he was teaching. He was teaching it by a lifestyle. I, I, I understood this. I've really only understood this second point in my last several years of my life. No offense, but I have come in contact with some men who don't know a whole lot about life. Now, it doesn't mean they're dumb. It doesn't mean they don't, don't have several degrees. But it, it, as Jerry Clower would say, they just don't have a lot of walking around sense. And, and, and when we think about this, I, I, th- I began to think to myself, how, how do they not know that? You know, you know, how, how, how do you not know which jumper cable to hook to which post? And, and I could give example, example. How do you, how do you not know how to make a pair of channel locks be a ratchet? How do you, how do you not know all these things? And, and it began to dawn on me that my, my dad never sat me down and said, now, son, I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to teach you how to do this and this and this and this. Now I look back on my life, and my life is a vault of knowledge, not because my daddy, not because my grandpa said, now, son, class starts at 8.15, you be here, and I'm going to teach you the common sense ways to use tools in life. No, what happened was I did life with my father. Oh, come on, you know where I'm going with that. I did life with my father. I did life with my grandfather. As a result of doing life with my father and my grandfather, I picked it up not by school classes, but I caught it. I watched their hands work. I watched their feet move. I watched them go through the process of life. And as a result, I was much smarter than I ever knew I was. Amen. And so that's how legacy is. You can't really teach legacy all the time. But legacy can be caught. It can be caught, Dad. When you go drop your <clears throat> children and your wife off, and you say, I'll be right back. I'm going, to, I'm going to pick that guy up who was homeless on the side of the road down there. I'm going to go buy him a hamburger and bring it back. I'm going to go the extra mile. When somebody asks you to go one, you go two, and your children saying, why in the world were you doing some that? You're teaching it. Not only are you teaching it, but you're teaching it not by lecture, not by, not by classroom skills, but by application. And the greatest thing about Jacob was he taught legacy. He taught legacy his whole life. Why in the world do you think Joseph? I mean, come on. 
How in the world could Joseph make it? I mean, he was on top of the mountain just being a good little boy, obeying his father. Father said, bring cheese and bread to your father. Your brothers are out there watching the sheep. He obeyed and went and brought it. And they found himself from the father's house to a pit, from the pit to the palace with a good-looking chick. How in the world do you think he was able to tell Potiphar's wife, no, not only am I not going to sleep with you, but I'm going to let you have my outer garment when I'm on the way out of the room. Because Joseph understood something that was not necessarily taught to him, but it was caught through Jacob's lifestyle. He understood that to walk with God, you've got to be willing to pay a price. You've got to keep yourself pure. You've got to keep yourself sanctified. You've got to keep yourself in the anointing with the Holy Father. Jacob understood that. As a result of Jacob understanding it, Joseph picked it up along the way. Joseph understood you didn't have to just, he understood that it was okay to rebel against every good-looking chick that wanted to sleep with you. I remember one time I knew this boy. He decided that he was going to remain pure and be a virgin when he was going to get married. And, uh, man, somehow word got out at school. And as a result, when the girls found out about it, they struck out on a mission and started mailing him their panties in the mail. That's where we live in. I mean, they were determined to wreck this boy's life. Now, come on. Now, you want to wreck your life, you start opening them packages up in the mail, it'll mess you up. But he was able to persevere. He was able to overcome because there was something going on inside of him that was greater than anything that was going on in the world. And Joseph had that principle working in him, not from an educator, not from a professor, but from his life, watching his father. I'll tell you maybe one of the reasons that he was able to withstand and not, not, not give in to Potiphar's wife because maybe he remembered that day that he was out there moving into the promised land and his dad turned to his family and said, Hey, guys, hey, boys and girls and, and servants and my wives, we're going back to Bethel. It's time for you to put aside all them little bitty Mickey Mouse gods that you're worshiping. We're going back to the place where I met a holy God. And maybe he remembered his father going out there underneath that old tree outside the promised land and digging a hole and burying all those little trinkets underneath that tree and putting a, uh, laying them there and walking and turning his back on them and embracing the destiny that God had created them for. Maybe that's what gave him power to make it and overcome Potiphar's wife. But then he went from the palace to the from the pit to the palace, and the palace to the prison, and the prison to the palace. How in the world was any one man able to overcome so much? Because I'll tell you something, he had a daddy that wasn't raising him. He had a daddy that was training him how to be a man of character, how to be a man of influence, how to be a man of faith, how to be a man whose yes was yes and his no was no. And he could have morality in an immoral world like Egypt where they were into every kind of debauchery as sinful craving that the world could ever know. How in the world was he to remain right in an unright world? He caught it along the journey. Look at this verse right here. Chapter 47 and verse 27. This is a good, this is a good verse right here. <clears throat> Jacob knows he's getting old. 
He knows that his life's growing weary. And uh, man, these things begin to happen. And he calls his son together. And here's what he tells his son. In chapter 47, in, in verse 17. Now Jacob lived in the land of Egypt. His years of his life was 147 years. And when the time drew near for him to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor, if I have found favor in your sight and in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh, make me a promise that you will deal with me in faithful love. Son, don't you bury me in Egypt. Don't you bury me in Egypt. When I die, you bury me here, but then you take me back when you leave. Would you leave me here? He goes on. He says, you bury me in the burial place. And Joseph answered and said, I will do what you have asked. I will do what you have asked. Now look at this. Verse 31. A 147-year-old man with his, young, with his young boy right there. Look at verse 31. And Jacob said, swear to me. So Joseph swore to him. And then Israel, the old man, bowed in thanks in his bed. He was teaching it by his actions. He was saying, son, when you're dead, you can still be changing. Just because you die doesn't mean you're through changing. I want you to know today that we don't ever have to quit changing. We can live a, leave a legacy of change, impacting generations to come, not just two years after we're dead, but two decades after we're dead. If we're willing to put it all on the line, and Jacob said, Son, I may die in Egypt, but don't you leave me here. Just because I'm dead, it doesn't mean I can't still change. Now, you know a lot of people, and you've probably heard this. There's a great debate today. You know, do they bury me or do they burn me? You know, and you hear people say, I don't care if they cremate me. I'm dead. I'm not there anymore. And you're right. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'll tell you something. Jacob said, you take my wretched remains and you bring them back to the promised land. You bring them back to the place that I was destined to be and don't leave me in a foreign land. I don't care if I'm not there anymore. I don't care if I'm in the presence of the Lord. My spirit, my soul may not be there, but my body is. And you pick that up and you bring it back to where God told me I could spend my life. That means even when you're dead, you can still be changing. I'm telling you, Jacob, did a great job at teaching his children how to always be changing. He was leaving a legacy. You don't wait till you become 60 to start saying, oh my goodness, I need to leave a legacy. You can start leaving a legacy when you're a child, when you're a teenager. Matter of fact, you can have a greater legacy if you start in your earlier years. You can leave this legacy by teaching it. You can leave this legacy by catching it. And then the second the last thing is that you can leave it as an inheritance. Today there's a lot of debate among senior adults and they're like, oh, I've, I've got to leave my children something. I've got to leave my children something. I knew two wise men in my life. <clears throat> one determined that both of them had wanted to determine he was going to give while he lived. He said, it's my money. I work for it. Why should my children enjoy it when I'm gone? So his mission in life was he was going to give while he lived. 
and and he this man had some money and I mean he said there's two reasons you do that number one for my benefit so that I can enjoy it seeing them blessed by it number two so that I can watch how they spend it and find out if I need whatever I leave them I need to leave it in another manner you know if I give them twenty thousand dollars they go buy out and spend it all on a car at next day then I know I may need to do something a little different for that person great wisdom the second person had great wisdom. He said, I'm selling everything I own. I'm just leaving cash. You can separate it equally. This guy owned a big plantation home full of antique furniture. He said, man, all this mess is going to destroy my family after I'm dead and gone. But let me tell you this. So many people worry about, what am I going to leave my children? When the thing that we really ought to be worried about is not what we leave to them, but what we leave in them. We need to worry about not what we're going to leave to them, but what we're going to leave in them. Because what you leave to them, if you leave it to them with no restrictions or with restrictions, trust me, they're going to go through it in whatever way you say they can go through it. Amen. It always happens. And so there's, they're going to go through that. But what you leave in them will change their life forever. When they've gone through all of your inheritance, when they've gone through all of your money, what you leave in them will still be there. Because it is not in a vault made by hands. It is in a vault of their heart, of their soul, of their mind, of their will that is made by the hand of the Almighty God who has fashioned them after His own image. And today, what you leave, listen to this, what you leave to them may very well lead them into some storms of their own making. What you leave in them will lead them through storms of anybody's making. Can I say that again? What you leave to them may very well send them into some storms of their own making. They may be like the prodigal son. You leave him a bunch of stuff and he just goes out and squanders it, finds himself in a hog pen, eating, eating, wanting to eat the pig feed. Amen? It, what you leave to them may very well lead them into a storm, but what you leave in them may lead them out of a storm. Now, let me say that again because there's a different variation of that. Also, what you leave in them could lead them into a storm, depending on what you're depositing in their life every day. I mean, I see guys, they're so proud. I mean, their boy was old enough to drink a beer. Boy, that's something to get excited about, isn't it? Man, my boy was old enough to take a smoke today. Hey, you just gave him a shot of cancer. Amen. Good job. I mean, what you leave in them can also lead, either lead them into storms or out of storms. That's legacy. And you will have a legacy. But will it be a legacy that when your children are older, they say, thank God that I had a dad. Who left me golden treasures inside my earthen body, in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. Today, you can leave it to them as an inheritance. Look in chapter 47, verse 1. So Joseph went and informed Pharaoh. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong chapter. Here we go, chapter 49. Then Jacob called his sons and gathered them around. He said, I will tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. And if you read the rest of that, he addressed every son. He gave them a word, and every son lived up to the word that he gave them. Dad, it's your job to man up and be the leader 
of your own home. It's your job to leave a legacy. Mom, it's your job to leave a legacy. What will be your legacy? What will be your legacy? Are you putting all your money into the fact that if you, if you take them to enough ball games and you do all those things and they, they play enough tournaments that one day they'll be able to go pro? Listen, professionals get old. The Hall of Fame is full of dead people that once were great, who once was not so great, and now who is no more. They may accomplish the greatest thing in the world, and I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, it, I mean, if you make it big time, remember me. I'm not saying that's bad. But if that is all your admiration, if that is all your hope, then you have a shallow life. Whew. Man, that hurt to say, much less to receive. That's not legacy. Who won the Super Bowl 12 years ago? Who was the MVP? It all passes away. But the treasures of the Lord abide forever. What will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? There was this pastor one time. He died with nothing but six silver spoons in his jacket. That's all he had left in the world's eyes. And the reason he had six silver spoons was because those were for the people who were going to be his pallbearers. He was going to pay them when they laid him to rest, that'd be their payment. Silver spoons. He died with six silver spoons in his jacket. And nothing else. He left it all on the field. In the world's eyes. He died with his boots on. But there's one other thing he left behind in the spiritual realm. It was called the Methodist Church. The Methodist Church. He may not have left a lot in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, he's been impacting lives for decades. 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 Today, the Methodist Church is the second largest dying denomination. You say the second. Well, who's the first? The Baptists. The Baptists are the largest declining denomination in the world. And the Methodists are right on their trails. See, you can leave a legacy. But if that legacy is not passed on to the next generation and the next, and the next, in the proper way, in the proper way, that too will soon pass away. I want to close with this thought right here. I got this this morning. Somebody sent this to me, and it just, it grabbed me. 
This came as a text message to me. He said there was this elderly person I was talking to, just like myself, giving a testimony. And he stated that in his life, he had made two of the greatest mistakes ever. And they were both mistakes of misjudgment. He said, number one, I misjudged the bereavity of life. He said, my life here went by so quick, even though I'm so old. He said, I misjudged the bereavity of life and the length of eternity. He said, if I, as I have grown older, he said, eternity has grown longer. And listen to what he says. I must say, in all honesty, that I have made the same mistake. As I look back on my life, I must confess the majority of it has been serving this world rather than the one who created it. I tell you this because I do not want you, pastor, to look back and have to admit the same mistake. I am so grateful for the grace of God that has forgiven me. But his forgiveness does not alter the misjudgment of my life wow wow who's investing in you who are you investing in what legacy are you leaving God sent me a special note this morning for this message it said you're never too young to focus on legacy legacy as you prepare to go out in our community this week, you will change lives that will change lives for all of eternity. If you are looking at it from any other perspective, then today I want you to come to this altar and say, Lord, change my perspective. God, help me to see, not through my spiritual eyes, not through my church eyes, but through your eyes, God. Lord, right now, please put one person in my pathway. Lord, one person that could give their heart to you that would stand in the presence of a holy God for all of eternity and then make a difference for all of eternity legacy is not what you do at the end of your life but it's what you do through your life every headstone has two dates the beginning and the end which mean nothing except they were born and they died but the most powerful thing on any headstone is the dash in the middle. Because that is what spells that person's life. I beg you, make your life count. Rebel against what the world says is good. Rebel against what the world says is legacy. And leave your thumbprints on the souls of men and women, boys your head bowed this morning if you're here maybe you just want to say pastor I so need God to help alter my legacy if that's you would you just slip your hand up and say I want you to pray for me right now pastor pray for me this morning I know the legacy I'm leaving right now I don't want my kids to leave that same life thank you maybe you need to repent of the legacy you're leaving I mean, the last thing you want to leave your children is a legacy of adultery, the legacy of addiction, the legacy of fornication, 
the legacy of apathy. The last thing you want to leave your children is the legacy of good when God destined them for great and yourself. Maybe today you need God to stir up a fresh spire in your soul. When George Bush jumped out of the airplane when he was 80, a reporter asked him, why would you do such a foolish thing? He said, what would you prefer? Me to sit in the corner of a nursing home drooling on myself? No. I would rather leave a legacy of telling my children, you're never too old to quit. Die. Leaving it all on the field. Maybe today you need to reinvigorate, rekindle the fire that once burned within you to leave a legacy. Maybe you need to switch your focus from what you're going to leave to them to what you're going to leave in them. Young people today, maybe right now you need to just come to this altar and say, God, start right now as a young person to leave a legacy in my life. Would you, sir, would you, ma'am, be willing to stand up and say, I am more than a fan. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Father, touch these hands that was raised. This honest confession today. Move in our hearts, in our lives. God, let today be a day of new beginnings. Reinvesting, reevaluating. God, thank you for what you have changed in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet today, won't you come? Won't you come? We'll have people here to pray with you. Won't you make your way this morning? <clears throat> We've had these cards on our altar for six weeks. In the beginning, you wrote down what you needed to change. Today, after six weeks, why don't you come and write on this card? what you have changed, what God has changed in your heart, in your life. Won't you come right now as they sing? Let's do business with the Lord. Don't wait. You stood before creation. How about you, church? Eternity in your Won't you come? Legacy. Legacy. Let's do it. Maybe you don't even know where to start. Here's the starting block. Build an altar. Say, God, show me the legacy you have for me. And carry the cross for my shame. Why don't you come? Take a stand.
compromised legacy. Your spirit alive in me. My life to declare your promise. My soul now to stand. The only thing that doesn't change is that everything changes. of the Lord's Supper. This is legacy. He looked at his disciples, his best friends. He says, guys, this is the last time I'm going to partake of this bread with you. Partake of this cup with you. He said, next time we do, it'll be in eternity. We will do it in the presence of our holy God. Every time you go to a church and you participate in communion, partake of legacy you celebrate legacy during this invitation we're going to do a little bit different this morning we have a lot of people here we're just going to spread out along the building you kind of come down the outer walls there if you need to so it doesn't all jam up right here at the front I want you to take the cup and the bread I'm going to bless it they're going to sing I want you just to go back to your seat or make your way at the altar. Spend a few moments in solemn reflection of what the Lord did for you. What He's doing for you. But more than that, what He wants to do for you. The Bible says we should examine ourselves to make sure our heart is right before we partake of the cup. Today, we want you to celebrate that for us. Amen. Let me get these two outer guys. Y'all just go stand next to the side walls and then kind of come. And, uh, that way we can kind of move around here. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your cup. Thank you for that blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. Lord, thank you for the remission of our sin through your blood and your atonement. Thank you for your body which was broken for us. Lord, thank you that this was the bread that came down from heaven, not like the manna that the Israelites ate and then they perished, but it's the bread of eternal life. Thank you, God, for giving it all on the cross. God, give us courage to be men and women of change that are willing to stand up and give it all to you, the one who gave it all for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate the Lord's God.
gave it all for you. The question is, what are we, what are we going to give to Him? Thank you so much for being here this morning. Just as they continue to play, you can see the offering receptacles here. You're, you're welcome to come and worship the Lord through the giving of your offering at this time. Or, or you can, there'll be some guys standing at the door. You can drop it in the plate as you, uh, as you exit the building this morning. Either way, you just worship the Lord by, by giving uh, a, a, a part what he's blessed you with back to him again we just want to thank all of you for being here this morning thanks again eagle heights for blessing us with your presence here today we're so excited that uh, that you're here and going to be working with us this week just a, a couple of things in the way of announcements next sunday uh is what we call biker sunday around here it's a time where man uh you, you get to wear you get to wear you know your blue jeans and and, and ride the motors to ride them if you got them, okay? And uh, uh, yeah, or if you don't, you can do like Pastor Matt, get a bicycle man, or however you get here, it doesn't matter. We just uh, encourage you to come. And I, I want to share something with you. You know, we do this every couple of months, and uh, the, the Lord has really given us favor. And man, there was some, you know, some of your traditional, you know, outlaw biker gang types that that are beginning to come. And, and let me tell you what one of them said after, after the last time we did this. He, he, he was talking with, uh, actually talking with Daryl, and he said, you know, he said, y'all got a really non-judgmental church. I thought that's pretty cool. You know, that's a legacy. That's the legacy that we want to leave. It's not our job to judge them. It's our job to love them. And uh, we'll leave the judging up to the Lord. So uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, Pastor Brad, you got another word before we leave. It's great to have you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Remember Wednesday night, our house church will meet at the Enterprise Park. We'll have our block party. Make sure you come out. Uh, if you're off during the week um, and you want to help out, uh, we need, of course, they have a lot of labor here with Eagle Heights, but we probably need some good gophers around town to maybe run and get stuff. So. Come and hang out with us. We'll have a great week through Wednesday. And then make the block party at Enterprise Park. Amen? Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for who you are, for what you're going to do, God. Thank you for the souls that are going to be saved this week, lives that are going to be changed, families that are going to be healed today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Sing a little bit of this uh, last line, and that will be your benediction.